Welcome to Diverse City Church Sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Ray. Lord, we do honor you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated if you have not been already. This week is a very special week. Matter of fact, it is one of the most favorite weeks of mine in the entire year. I also love Christmas, but I tell you what, Thanksgiving is an awesome, awesome week. Does anybody love Thanksgiving besides me? It's a time for us to eat some good old food. I got good food. Any witnesses on some good food? The rest of y'all, I'm sorry your mama can't cook. I'm sorry your wife or husband can't cook. Man, I love to eat. I love to eat. Good food. I don't like junk food. don't like box food. don't like processed stuff. I like some good old fresh vegetables and a fresh ribeye or a turkey that's been smoked for four, five, or six hours, seven hours on some low heat. I like some good food. Meat. I like meat. Who? I got you guys like meat in here? About three, y'all. Okay. I got any vegetarians in the building? Just one. All right. Just one. Any vegans in the building? Oh, we got, no, we got another vegan over here. Yeah. A couple. All right. Hey, man, I love when I see black folks who are vegans. This is Diverse City, right? So I'm allowed to say that? Look, we got to be honest. Most vegans are white. But there's like this revival taking place among the black community, and I'm loving it. I ain't got it. The Lord ain't got me with it yet. I hope he never does. But to my family who are vegans and vegetarians and Episcopalians, I mean, (laughs) shout out to all my vegans, vegetarians, and Episcopalians. You'll get that later. But Thanksgiving is amazing. It's awesome. Food is awesome. But what is also awesome is spending time with family. I'll be going to my sister's house. Some of y'all met my sister a few weeks ago, and we're just really excited to spend Thanksgiving there and just really spend time with family and, and reflect on being thankful. You know, reality is, is most of us eat so much food, by the time it's, we get to talking about being thankful, we're so tired, we, we just, we're, we're just kind of angry that people's talking and not shutting up and letting us fall asleep on the couch. But I really do love hearing stories about the goodness of God and, and about life and how we've been spared or delivered or just where we are. And, and that's what Thanksgiving is about. This Thursday, we will be gathering around a table and eating lots of amazing food, but hopefully you'll also be talking about why you are so thankful. Do we have anybody in the building that's thankful? Just thankful? You know, it, it is truly one of the most favorite holidays of mine because I can just express over and over again how glad I am to be where I am. 
The sad part is immediately following our attitudes of gratitude on Thanksgiving at the dinner table, we change. We go from grateful, gratefully eating and, and thankfully eating and sitting around and talking about the goodness of God and where we are and in the snap of a finger and in the blink of an eye, we go from celebrating how thankful we have been for that entire year to waking up from our drunken turkey uh, uh, state to in the middle of the night sneaking out of the house risking getting into a fight or being trampled on by others because you and I want the best deals around and don't get in my way. Right? It's amazing how we go from thankful to how much we want. The Thanksgiving spirit only lasts but for a few hours. And then we put away the food, we pack up the kitchen, we watch the games, and we pull out our phones and we start looking for the best deals, planning our route of execution, sending part of our team there, the other team's there, we need to be here then, I need to get this there, this is in aisle three, but that's in aisle 12, honey, you're going to go that way and I'm going to go this way and we're only allowed one, you think grandma wants to come because we need to get two of them. (laughs) Quickly everything changes and we're no longer thinking about how grateful we are for what we have but that dies and now we're thinking about what we want that quick. The truth is is it's hard to stay thankful We're in a world and we're so bombarded about everything around us that it's hard to stay in an attitude of gratitude. It is a serious challenge to see your personal blessings in the midst of things that you wish you had. Let me say that again. It's hard to see your personal blessings in the midst of seeing things that you wish you had. It's kind of like a husband. You see a woman that you wish you had, and it's hard to remember how good of a woman that you already have. I could talk about you wives because you ain't left out, and you better clap the same way you just did. Because women do the same thing. You're appreciative of what they do for you, but the moment that man at work flatters you more than you got at home, you forget about the protection and the financial stability that they brought because you love him what he brought. Or I can tell you about me, this is my favorite and worst place to go ever, and it's Ikea. Oh, I love Ikea. Lorinda and I love going to Ikea, but there's a problem with Ikea. It's cheap, the deals are good, but Ikea to me is kind of like the dollar store, the dollar tree, the real dollar store, the one where everything's a dollar, the one that you go in to get two things and leave with 32 things, right? You leave with stuff that you didn't need and will never use. Half of it's junk, right? That's what we do. Ikea's kind of like that. It's the, it's the dollar store on steroids. 
If you haven't been to the I Ikea, don't go because it, it, it'll change your life forever. I don't know how they're selling spatulas for 89 cents with rubber handles at that. I went to Starbucks and they had a French press for 30 bucks. I go to Ikea and pick it up for $7.99. I don't get it. Ikea has got some good stuff. But here's the thing that I don't like about Ikea. I really think my house is pretty organized. I mean, everything's got its place. Matter of fact, yesterday my dad uh, was here last week, all week, and he left this morning. And he says, Ray, I got to tell you, he says, I've never been to somebody's house and they use every corner of their house. He's like, everything has a place here. You got things on the wall that you built. You, you got things on the staircase you've built. I mean, he's like, you've used every single part of your house. And I'm like, you know what? The truth be told is, is, is our house is small. We went from 3,000 square feet to 1,400 square feet. And we had to get smart, man. So I started looking online at how in the world Europeans live. Because, you know, Europeans, they live real small and stuff. And I'm getting all these great ideas. And then I go to Ikea. And Ikea gives me these ideas. And I buy some stuff. I build some stuff at home from, from my mind and, and, and get my house all done up. And I really think that my house is in a pretty good place. I feel like everything's got its place. If you walk in, there's no shoes on the floor. You won't see shoes on the floor at my house. I'm too OCD to have shoes laying around. Okay, everything's got its place. Everything has its place. But every time I go to Ikea, I realize that my house is nowhere like I really want it to be. When I go to Ikea, I realize that I live in a dump hole. My cabinets are garbage. I don't have self-closing drawers. For some reason, my cabinet doors slam, and I don't want them to slam. I got Formica, and I want granite. My cabinets are 30 inches, and I want 42s. My cabinets are some jacked-up Home Depot wood, and I want this high-quality Switzerland stuff that's blinging every time you look at it. I want a center island with a second sink. I want a big old um, uh, uh, vent that, that just sucks up everything that I cook in my house right dead in the middle. Oh, I want a whirlpool, a big whirlpool. I could go on and on about the things I see at Ikea that I want. And, and I say that to say this. Everything in my house I loved until I went to Ikea. <laughs> now look, you all, if, how many of y'all been to Ikea? Raise your hand if you've been there. How many of y'all say that is exactly true? You get it, right? All right, okay, thank you. Now for y'all that have not been to Ikea, go there and then come talk to me. Because right now you think your house is okay. You go there and you're going to leave depressed. You're going to leave there and go to the psychiatric center and get some antidepressants. Because you're going to realize that your house is just, just, just unorganized, you're dysfunctional, and, and that you might as well just burn it to the ground and start over. Why do I say that to you? I, I say that to you because this is life. We are constantly in this battle of being okay in the moment, but then we get into an Ikea situation. Your Ikea may be an opposite sex partner that isn't your spouse. Your Ikea could be your family, and why can't your children be like their children? Your Ikea could be where you live. You were so thankful for where you lived until your boss invited you out for the holiday party. And now you don't like where you live anymore. Right? 
We love how much weight we've lost until you start going to a different gym and everybody's buffer than you. Then you begin second-guessing your healthiness today, right? I don't know what your Ikea is, but can I tell you that all of us have an Ikea where we're okay with what we got until we get around something different. And then it's in those moments that we begin to lose thanksgiving and become ungrateful for what we have. And the challenge is remaining thankful even in situations that are better than yours. Remaining appreciative even when things look different than yours. The reality is, is the grass, as they always say, is not always greener on the other side. Oh yes, maybe they look better than your spouse. But will they appreciate you like your spouse? Oh, oh yes, maybe they listen to you more. But are they as trustworthy? See, I think we need to realize for a moment that even though on the surface level it looks better, what comes with that? Look, I could go down to Ikea right now and apply for a credit card and get a few thousand dollars on it, and I could deck my house out. No questions asked. No questions asked. But here's the thing. I'm not interested in an 18 to 25% interest rate on my debt that's going to take two or 3,000, turn it into nine or 10,000 because it takes me years to pay off. So the question is, am I really doing better because my house looks better, but now I have the debt? See, because behind every IKEA deal, there's always something else that's going to come with it. I don't meet many people that cheat on their spouses and they don't regret it. Because on the surface, it's good, it looks good, it feels good, and it fills that need, but there's always a debt collector coming right behind you. How in the world do I get to the place, pastor, where I don't accrue debt on credit cards, learning to be thankful with what you got? How in the world do I maintain living a life of intimacy with only my spouse and no one else, pastor? Well, I learn to appreciate the one you got. If you keep focusing on what they are not, rather than focusing on what they are, you will always run for what they don't have because you can no longer see what they do have. See, but when we can be thankful for what we have, it makes us not focus so much on what we don't have. See, thanksgiving unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into more than enough. It turns denial into acceptance. It turns chaos into order And it turns your confusion into clarity. See, thanksgiving makes your meal a feast. Thanksgiving turns your house, your apartment, into a home. Thanksgiving takes a stranger and makes him a friend. Thanksgiving, being thankful, makes sense of your past, brings peace to your today, and creates vision and hope for tomorrow. 
See, but when you don't have thanksgiving, when you're not thankful for where you are, your home is not a home. It's just the place you're temporarily staying at. I know many people who live in houses and they keep telling themselves this is temporary and now you're two, three, four years in and it still hasn't become your home. It's time to make your house your home. It's time to make your house, your apartment, your home. I know you want a new car, but you know what? This is the car you got. So stop talking about what you want and claim it as your car. This is what I got. This is what I got. I know you want a better spouse, but guess what? You don't have a better spouse. This is what you got. And we need to be thankful and say, you know what, God? I'm just thankful that I I got a house. And God, I am so sorry that I am acting as if this house isn't good enough to be my home. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to appreciate this house because I want this house to be a home. I want people to walk in these doors and even though it's small, even though it's in a bad area, even even though I don't have a whole lot, the reality is, is God, I want this to be my home that you can get the glory in this house. Your car, God can get the glory with your car. God can get the glory with your bus pass. Is God getting the glory in your marriage? Do people know that you're overly satisfied and blessed to have who you have? Or do they constantly hear you complain about what you wish you did have? See, God wants us to be grateful and thankful. And thankfulness unlocks something. You can take the same two people, give them the same two amount of things and stuff all around them, and one of them will accelerate and go further, and the other one will get stale and never go anywhere else. Why is that? Because they're attitudes. One of them are ungrateful, constantly complaining, nitpicking, seeing what they don't have, how bad the world is, and how everything's messed up, and they never had the opportunity. And the other one is saying, you know what, I maybe don't have what I would like to have, but I got a whole lot more than I used to have, and I'm just going to be grateful for what I do have. And you start working with what you do have, and then God blesses what you have and makes it more. But when you complain about what you've got, God says, I can't give you any more because if you can't thank me with 20, how are you going to thank me with 50? See, there's an attitude of gratitude. There's an internal thing happening inside of each of us, and stuff will not fix you. A better-looking wife won't fix you. A better-looking husband won't fix you. A husband, period. Some of you are like, I just wish I had a husband. That fixed me. Oh, he will fix me. Oh, yes, he will. Yes, Lord. He will fix me. But he won't fix you. He won't fix you. Now, he's going to become alongside of you and be your helpmate. But he will never be your knight in shining armor, your savior, your king. That's Jesus' job. And for too long, we have been looking for these things to fulfill us. And we're saying, if I only had a job making 10 more thousand a year, I'd be good. 
If I only had a job making five more dollars an hour, I'd be good. If I only had someone that did this, if I only had this, if I lived here, and, and we're making all these things, right? We're putting all these stipulations in place, and what we're saying is once I get there, then I'll be thankful. But can, can, I just, can I be honest with you for a minute? If we are seriously doing a look at ourselves, this is a pattern that all of us struggle with from time to time. I could tell you about my own life and starting on early in my journey, and I said to myself, once I get there, things will get better. And then I started walking on my journey, and I put all my focus on getting there, and then I got there. And then once I got there, I realized that I was just as incomplete, but I didn't recognize it as incomplete. What I recognized it as is I needed to get somewhere else. So then I went from having my own place and trying to get my degree, and once I get my degree, once I get credentialed, once I get here, then things will get better, and now I'm credentialed, and I bought a home, but for some reason, there was something still out of whack. So then I told myself it was a wife, and then I got my wife, but for some reason, things were still out of whack. And then I said, well, maybe the issue is we need to buy a home here. I need to sell my home there. And then I started making other moves, and I did that. And, and, then, and then I said, no, I think it's this. And then I did this. And now my kids are born, right? And, and now my kids are young. They're little kids. And, and I, this is Jamie and, and Karen Weiss. I don't know if they're y'all here today, Jamie and Karen Weiss. But Jamie and, Jamie and Karen Weiss were at our house one day, and, and, uh, and they were, like, talking about us going out one night. And, and I said, well, I can't go out as easy as y'all can because your kids are older, and you just kind of go and leave them home my kids are little little snotty head brat you know kind of thing and, I, and I'm like I can't do that and then I said to myself one day I can't wait till my kids get older so I can just go freely like you and the Lord chasing me right there and he says why are you trying to get your kids to grow up so fast enjoy the moment he says you need to enjoy the moment how you wanted kids I've given you four of them and now you're ungrateful and you want them to hurry up and grow up and I began to look back at my life, and God said to me, he says, the same thing you've been doing your entire life. You said, once I get here, it'll be better. Once I get here, it'll get better. Once I get here, it'll get better. Once I get here, it'll get better. And in here, it'll get better. In here, it'll get better. He says, do you see a pattern, Ray? He says, your whole life you've been telling yourself, once you get a bigger house, once you get a bigger job, once you get your education, once you get credentials, once you get married, once you have kids, once you have this, and now you're saying, once your kids get older, can I tell you something, Ray? He says, the problem's not your kids getting older, the problem is you. He says, if you cannot be thankful with your kids being eight, six, four, and two, you will never be thankful. He says, the problem is not where you're trying to get. The problem is, is your focus is on the wrong thing. What I realize now is that I could have been thankful all the way back here. I didn't have what I wanted and I wasn't where I believed God was trying to get me, but I could have been grateful. But rather than me being grateful for where I was, I was too focused on where I was trying to get. And because I was focused on where I was trying to get, I forgot on what he had already done. So then my focus becomes more about me than it is about him because it's about what I want rather than what he did. Anybody struggle like this? Because this is the reality of life, is sometimes we begin to forget 
the things that we have and we lose sight of how good that God is and rather than focusing on what we do have, we get lost in what we don't have and that's why Jesus gave that parable the one time he gave this parable and he was talking about those three individuals that he gave money to. He calls them talents. He says, I gave one, one. I gave the other three. I gave the other five and I left and I told him to take care of business and then I came back and when I came back, the guy who had five turned it into ten. The guy who had three turned it into six. The guy who had one didn't do anything with his. He just sat on it. He says, so therefore I told the guy who had 10 to take his 10 and make it 20. The guy who had three and made six, take his six and make it 12. And then the guy who had one, I took the one that he had and gave it to the guy with 20. And it's like, hold on, this is wild because now God gave the one that had only one, took it from him and gave it to the one with 20. And then Jesus said this. He says, those who are faithful over a little, he will make ruler over much. What he's saying is that we all start off small, but if you just keep on being faithful with your little, you will one day get a whole lot. You know what's the funny thing about, about poverty? Is at one point all of us were in it. Every family, look, it doesn't matter. Look, we, we can look at the Anheuser-Busch family, and you can look at the family over there at, at, um, uh, at the building at the Botanical Gardens, or you can go to Limp Mansion, and if you do tours of all these buildings and you start hearing the stories, I began to envision myself as they're talking about streets and how they're dirt roads and, and horse and carriage and, and the, what they lived in when they got here and, and how they just began to work from the ground up and save and bend big, build big and now you look at these families who have generations of wealth but at some point there was somebody that said I'm going to do things different. Is it unfair that you weren't born into a wealthy family? Yes it was. If you're sitting on it and, and you just haven't told me you're wealthy, please come forward and just pay off the church. That's all we're asking. <laughs> But, is that, you coming to pay it right now? <laughs> but my goal is to leave my children in a whole lot better place than where I am today. And, and where that's going to start is not me trying to live like I'm here, even though I'm here. If you're broke, guess what? You know what it's called? Broke. I learned that in seminary. You know what the Greek word for broke is? Broke. But here you are, broke. Spending like you're not broke. And God said, he's going to bless those that are faithful over little. You know what faithful over little means? It means that you're faithful with whatever you got. That means you make $20,000 a year, you barely get by, you are under the poverty level. But guess what? It doesn't matter. You're going to be faithful with it. 
God told me to give 10% away of my money, so I'm going to give 10% away of my money. God told me I'm supposed to help out the poor, the orphans, the widows, so I'm going to help people out. God told me that I'm supposed to take care of my bills, so I'm going to take care of my bills. God told me that I'm not supposed to live in debt, so I'm not going to live in debt. God told me that I'm supposed to be wise. I'm not to be out here spending a bunch of lottery tickets, going to the boats, gambling, trying to get rich. I'm going to be faithful with what I got. Here's the reality. You make $20,000 a year, then you have to live on a $20,000 budget and be a good steward of it. And if you can't be faithful and thankful for $20,000, he will never give you 100. Because here's the reality. God is saying, if I can't trust that broke guy with $20,000, how will I ever trust him with 100? Y'all with me? You, you, want, you want to know why it got quiet? I'm going to tell you why it got quiet. Because a lot of y'all got this American spirit on you. And the American spirit says, even though I'm broke, I ain't messing with no broke. Y'all know that song? Some of y'all do. Okay. Uh Even though you're broke, you have been trained in your mind to not let people know you're broke. You've been trained in your mind to pull up in the projects with a car that costs more than your rent payment. You've been trained in your mind to wear Jordans and look fly even though you ain't got nothing. We've been trained. And, and what happens is rather, and, and you say, well, I mean, that's just what we do. But you got to realize, you got to play it out. Think about it like this. I am just thankful. God, I'm thankful for these $20 shacks from Walmart. Anybody ever bought those shacks from Walmart before? You know what I'm talking about? See, back in the day, we called it Pro Wing 2000s. I used to wear the Pro Wings. Anybody wear the Pro Wings back in the 80s? Raise your hand to all my Pro Wing fellas. Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Pro Wings, shout out to the Pro Wing 2000s. I mean, you was real dope if you had the 2200s. I got so I say that because you need to be honest with where you are. I can't afford the latest J's that cost $2,500 or, or $250. I can't afford them. I can't afford to do these things. So guess what? I don't do it. My wife and I just went on a cruise last week for a whole week. Okay, it cost us 950 bucks. Some of you are like, oh, I wish I could go on a cruise. But let me be honest with you, 13 years. You hear me? 13 years my wife and I have been married, and we just went on our first uh, thing uh, away. People look at my truck and say, oh, Pastor, you all know you, you drive around a $12,000 Hummer. You just, you, you bless him. No, I drove around a hoopty for five Anybody remember my hoopty? I had a, I had a, I had a three thousand dollar Jetta that you couldn't trust to do anything. My wife had a, had a Dodge Grand Caravan that cost four thousand dollars, and and for five years we simply saved and prayed that God would let it go another year. And we kept saving and saving and saving. And now I buy a Hummer for $12,000. And people are like, oh, the ministry must be treating you good. And I want to pimp slap somebody. Because the ministry ain't treating me any better than it has any other time. It's just that my story was different than yours. I was grateful in my hoopty. And I knew I couldn't afford anything else. And I wasn't going to live like I was over here when I knew that I was right here. Now, look, let me tell you something. I've always drove Jeeps, 
trucks, big tires, manly stuff. Who? And this dude was in a grand caravan and a Jetta. Now, ain't nothing wrong with Jettas. But it hurt my pride every time I got in. Every time I got in, it hurt my pride. And I said, Lord, I'm hurting on the inside. But I will be faithful. Why do I say this to you? I say this to you because you need to be honest with yourself. If you can't be thankful for what you've got, there's no way that you'll ever get anywhere else in your life because you will always live outside of the means that you really have. So the idea or concept that I'm trying to relay to you today is we need to say, you know what? This is what I've got. I make 30000 I'm not going to live like I make sixty. This is my wife or that's your husband. I'm going to live like this is my wife or this is my husband. I am going to make the best of what I've got now because God is not going to give me anything else until I've been faithful over what I've already got. We are to be managers and good stewards and we are to be managing what we have well. And one of the best ways to manage what you have is being thankful for what you've got. We're alive, we're forgiven, we're connected to God, we've been renewed, we're capable. Some of us have a spouse, we have kids, we have a church family, we have freedom, we can vote. We, we're, we're not, we are in a country that is so free and, and our needs are met. We have a whole lot to be thankful for. If you are looking, here's the prosperity gospel, TBN, right? TBN talks about everybody's going to be rich. God wants everybody to be rich. And I don't mean rich financially, just rich as a whole. You don't have to look over your shoulder. Your marriage can be rich. You can have great conversation. Your intimacy can be rich. Your children, your interaction with them can be rich. Financially, you may not be a multimillionaire, but you can be debt-free and living decent. This is what God wants for all of us. Y'all with me? Okay, so we can all be rich, but here's the reality. You need to be rich where you are. And then God will make you richer. Oh, way before the cubic shuffle, God was doing this. (laughs) Moving us up. Moving on up. Right? I learned this on that cruise boat. But what happens is we forget and, and, and we need to realign and shift that we can remember the goodness of God and never lose sight of how amazing he is to us. Y'all with me? Okay, so a couple of scriptures. I'm not giving any scriptures and we are a definitely a new school church, but not so new school that we don't use the Bible. So uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. You can see it behind me. It says, then the whole community of, Is- of the Israelites began to complain. They complained to Moses. They complained to Aaron in the desert. They said it would have been better for us if they would have just killed us in the land of Egypt. At least when we were there, we had plenty. We had all the food we needed, but now you brought us out into the desert to make us die from hunger. So here God, they were in slavery for 430 years. 
There is a federal law that was put out on all of Israel. Any child that was born that was a male was to die. This is what I call the first holocaust. They were killing every male Israelite that was born because Egypt was very threatened by Israel's power, their influence. And, and, and now there's this huge genocide taking place. The people cried out to God and they said, God, look down on us, Lord. Our children are being murdered by the government. Look at this mass genocide that's taking place. And by the grace of God, he spared a boy named Moses. Now Moses goes to the Lord and gets a word from God. And the word is, you're going to go and deliver the people, Israel, out of bondage. The people are so excited because now they can have children and keep them. Now they're not going to have to do all of these very vigorous, strict uh, rules and, and workload that they cannot meet only to be met with floggings and beatings because they can't keep up the daily task that was put on them. And they're celebrating that God remembered them and freed them. And within days, everybody say days. Within days, they forgot about where they were and they focused on where they were now. And they said, oh, I would have been better off in Egypt. Yes, my children were dying. Yes, I had harsh rules and laws on my family, but at least I ate better. Can I tell you that many of us are very similar? God has delivered you from addiction, alcoholism, Drugs, anger, greed, but because you don't have what you used to have, you're tempted to go back because you'd rather have the mess and the food than the liberty and the little. And God wants to know, can you be grateful in the little because I will give you more? Let me tell you something. God doesn't just allow drug dealers and corrupt people in the government to get rich. God blesses his people. But he wants to know, will you be faithful in the little? Are you serving God because of where you want to get? Or can you just serve him because of who he is? And once we get to the place where we're like, God, I'm just thankful for the little, we'll see more. I could tell you about King Saul in, in, in 1 Samuel 18. It says that Saul was very angry and, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they've only ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul was a hater. Saul was the king of Israel, and God wanted Saul's son to become king of Israel. But Saul became greedy. He became a hater. He became ungrateful. And he began to think that he could do what everyone else could do and even better. He thought he was God's greatest gift to humanity. To such a degree that one of the best men, best warriors of all Israel was David. Now think about this. If you're the president of the United States of America and you've got the best, most elite 
team among the Army or the Marines or the Navy or the Air Force or the Reserve, whatever, right? You've got this elite team. They go in and, and they, can, they can put a strategy together. They can, they can, they can kill with their bare hands. They can fight on the ground. They can use guns, whatever, right? They are, they are great. And now the name begins to spread throughout all of America and they're cheering this wonderful team. The president's going to be happy. Happy because they're on our team. Happy because I am just grateful that we got men like this. This is the same case with David. David was a phenomenal warrior. He killed tens of thousands. And they began to sing a song and said, David killed tens of thousands. And then they heard that Saul only killed thousands. Was it true? Yes, it's true. Was he a better warrior? Yes, he was a better warrior. But who cares who's a better warrior? He's a warrior. You're a king. And rather than Saul celebrating that his warrior was able to kill tens of thousands, he became jealous and ungrateful because he was getting more recognition than himself as the king. I need us to see for a moment that it is always a real fight for you to be thankful when someone else comes on the scene and they're shining brighter than you. Let me say that over here. It's hard and you have to fight to stay thankful even when someone comes on the scene at work or at church in your ministry, in the home life, in your community and they shine brighter than you. Can I tell you that there are people that shine brighter than you? You are not the smartest. You're not the most intelligent. You're not the most anointed. You're not the most gifted. And I'm telling you that I know this for myself too. I know there will always be someone better than us that comes along so why be surprised and jealous by it because when you get surprised and jealous and you no longer are thankful for what God's doing in them that means you can't pass the test because remember he who is faithful over a little I'll make you ruler over much but look look here's the thing if you can't be faithful in celebrating someone that's more successful than you here then God won't take you here because he's only going to bless those that he knows that he can trust the kingdom of God was taken from Saul if Saul would have simply celebrated David he would have continued to grow he would have passed the test but because of him having his thoughts out of whack and he did not pass the test of gratitude it was all taken from him I believe that some of you are not getting to the next level. Hear this. This isn't on my notes. I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you this. Some of you are not reaching the next level because you're too much of a hater. And Jesus said, rejoice with those who Nobody wants to say it. Is that a cuss word or what? Rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That means I succeed, right? Yay! I succeeded. You guys should be down here saying, yes, pastor succeeded. Somebody comes to church and says, guess what? My 
my house is paid off. They paid it all off for free. You shouldn't be out there saying, why'd they get their house paid off? I've been paying mine for 38 years. I done refinanced it twice. I'm raising my grandkids, my, my step-grandkids. My husband left me. They done cheated on three people, been married eight times. Why ain't my house paid off? No? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. See, God don't bless that. But, but when he sees someone out here that says, man, I'm celebrating with you. I'm celebrating that God's blessing his people. I'm celebrating that you passed me up. I'm celebrating your anointing. I'm celebrating your favor. I'm celebrating your gift. I'm celebrating your goodness. I'm celebrating with you. I'm rejoicing while you rejoice. See, and when we learn to rejoice while other people's rejoicing, it begins to unlock the door to where you've been trying to get. See, stinginess will never get you where God's trying to get you to. But when you celebrate what God is doing in other people's life, it begins to move you on up. See, but Saul didn't get it. Saul didn't get it. And I pray today that you are not a son of Saul anymore. Because remember, he who is faithful over a little, he makes ruler over much. Faithful over a little, not just money, over praise. Faithful over rejoicing with others who rejoice. Faithful on celebrating people who pass you up. Faithful on celebrating younger people that are younger than you, but they're further along than you are. Celebrating. Celebrating your children that are smarter than you. Celebrating your children that are more educated than you. Celebrating your children who has faith that is deeper than you. We should be celebrating these things, not upset. Keeping stuff from people. Oh, I can't tell him no more because he'll know more than me. No, no, that's the wrong spirit. Nuh-uh. We need to celebrate with these people. We need to celebrate with them and say, I just am so glad that God is blessing you. I am so grateful that God is blessing you. And when God sees your attitude is right on level one, he can trust your attitude on level two. When God can see your attitude is good on level two, he can trust your attitude on level three. But when you lose sight and you begin to talk about, oh, they just getting blessed, oh, they just doing this, oh, they just doing that, and you start complaining, he will not let you go any further because God accelerates people who pass the level they're on. Some of y'all have been on a level for a long time and you want to go further and you don't know how and God says if you want more you better be faithful with what I've already given you. You better swipe those groceries like the best swiper in town. You better say hello and greet at the Walmart front door better than any greeter there is. You better be the best poverty stricken person in America and once I know that you're faithful back here, you're going to dance all the way here and up here and up here. And God will keep blessing you and taking you further and further and further. But we have to pass 
the level we're on. There's a lot of unhealthy people at level one that somehow bypass the system and they land on level 10. See, the Bible actually talks about this. It says, be careful not to let a novice into a position of authority too early lest they puff up with pride. Let me tell you about the people who started on level one and didn't have to go through the ringer. They had to end because they knew somebody. They had to end because they were at the right place at the right time. And it seems like they were the better one and got the better end of the deal. But these type of people usually, not always, but most of the time, are the ones that cannot relate with people who are going through the struggle because they don't understand it. They don't get it. These are the kind of leaders that are dictators and, and they're power hungry. And they use their position and authority against you. They're not team players. They don't put people around them because they're intimidated by them and then we sit back and we say how are you in this high place of authority yet you were intimidated by me on level one that's because they're still on level one and they bypassed the system and made it to level 10 but when God has people that works the steps they can appreciate where they are they understand poverty. They understand people who criticize them. They understand moving forward and then taking a couple steps back. They understand people passing them up and they're doubting and they're wondering, are they fit for this? Is it because they're a male? Is it because they're black? Is it because they're white? And you begin to see all these things happening and you're being stretched and your faith is being questioned and you don't understand it. But can I tell you that this is all a part of the journey to perfect what God has for you it's a purpose in it it's a purpose in it you don't want to go around and manipulate the system and end on level 12 or 10 or 15 you want God to get you there in his appointed time we need to be people that are extremely grateful I'll close with this God has a plan for each of your lives. And some of us get stuck at certain levels longer than others. I don't know what level you're on. And, and quite frankly, I don't think we can call it straight up levels. Well, he's on level one, I'm on level three. But, but here's, here's the gist. I'm just trying to get you to understand the concept in your mind and envision it for a moment that each of you are on a level. You are where you are. And here's what I know. I know that God has more for you to do. We serve a progressive God. We serve an alive God. He's alive and well, he's not dead. He's not a deadbeat and you shouldn't be either. You should keep learning, keep growing, keep moving forward in your walk with God, in your career, your vocation, whatever it is. That's the plan that God has for your life. And I say that to you because if you're not dead, you're not done. Everybody with me? You're not, if you're not dead, you're not done. So today you're on level X, whatever that level is for you. And you're on that level today and some of you have been there way too long. 
You've been dreaming. You've been hoping. You've been talking. You've been praying. But nothing's changing. Can I say to you, reevaluate your life. God may be saying to you, I cannot take you to level Y until you complete level X. And now you have to start asking the question to the Lord because remember we talked a couple weeks ago, it's okay to ask God questions. And now you need to ask him and say, God, what is it that's keeping me on level X? What's keeping me here? Now, now look, don't be mad when he tells you the answer. See, because here's the thing that's so amazing about God. God is so good that he's going to continue to use us because he's awesome, he's good, and he loves us, he's kind, he's gracious, he's compassionate. That's what he is. That's who he is. He's a God of love. He is love. Without God, there is no love. Right? Y'all with me? So God's going to love you. He's going to use you. He's got a plan for you. But don't be surprised if you never pass level X without making some changes yourself. God will always tell us and show us and reveal to us the things that are in our life, but sometimes we have to ask because he's tired of talking and we're not listening. Some of you, all of you, including me, I believe that there's, we need to all just be at home and say, God, I'm at this level. I've been here for three months. I've been here for six months. I've been here for six years. I've been here for 50 years. Is this it for me, Lord, or do you have more? And if God says, I've got more for you, most of you know that God has more for you. How many of y'all know God's got more for you? Raise your hand if you know God's got more for you. I need you to raise it high, because if you don't raise it, I'm going to know you're depressed and need an extra prayer. Okay. All right, so, so most of you know that God has more for you. God has more for us. This ain't it. Right? This ain't it. So here's my question. How many Christians do you think that are in the world who say the same thing? Almost all of them, right? Almost all people believe that God has more for us. Agreed? But most of them never get it. Agreed again? How many people have you met that have been talking about how much God has, but then they die and never got? And I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about ministry or, or, or being a good humanitarian and sowing into the community, making a difference, starting a business, leaving more for your children than you had when you were born. These are what I'm talking about. Most of us believe that God has more. So why is it that if most people believe that there's more for them, they don't have it? It's because they got stuck on a level. And I just stopped by to give you the cheat code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. How many of y'all knew that code that I just gave right there? Yes, yes. My 80s, 80s, those in the 80s playing Nintendo. That's what I'm talking about. Contra. Here's your cheat code, guys. Your cheat code is going home and saying, God, I know you've got more for me. I know there's more. You've showed it to me. I dream about it. I talk about it. I pray about it. I see it in my future. Now i got a question. Is there something in me that's stopping me from going higher? Because I know your word says that when I'm faithful over this level, 
you'll take me to the next level. What am I not being faithful over? Am I not being a good husband, God? And I'm not being a good wife, God? Am I not being a good employee, God? Am I I very short and, and, and I yell too much at my children, God? Are you saying that I'm bad with money, God, so you can't give me more until I master this, God? Like, what, what is it? And begin to ask God. And, and I tell you that if you ask God, he's going to give you an answer. Because his goal is that everyone achieves the vision and desire and purpose that's in their heart that came from him. Father, I thank you for this service today. Thank you for joining us and we hope this message blessed you. 